0: Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm Jordi. And today we have the
1: privilege of talking with Sophie Cousins. Sophie's the author of This Time Next Year, Just Haven't Met You Yet, and her latest book, Before I Do, which came out on October 11th. Thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on and talking with us today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive into this book and talk about it. It was so much fun
2: to read. Oh, good, good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I loved how this book was so lighthearted and fun, and yet it showed how our past relationships
2: whether they were
1: great or terrible, form who we are today. And there can be a whole lot of heartbreak and love along the way. And so my first question for you is, what is Before I Do? And what was the inspiration behind it?
2: So Before I Do is, it's a rom-com. And it basically follows the story of Audrey, who is about to get married to her long-term boyfriend, Josh. They have a lovely relationship and they live together. They've been going out for a few years. And then the night before their wedding, her one that got away, the man she's always wondered about, turns up at her rehearsal dinner um, and kind of throws Audrey for a loop. Um, she'd been kind of having cold feet before because her mother had been married five times. She's nervous about getting married. Can it live for, you know, can it really last forever when she's seen in her own mother that it doesn't necessarily. Um, And so I think that Fred, her man that got away, showing up at this moment, just sort of really makes her wonder if the universe is trying to tell her something, and maybe she's making a huge mistake.
1: Mm -hmm. And speaking of the universe, I felt very connected to Audrey from the beginning, because like her, I also try to find signs in absolutely everything, whether it comes to, you know, is this a sign that I should be with this person? Or is this a sign that I should go do X, Y, or Z. And you could tell that for Audrey, this was a struggle throughout the whole book. And I loved how we were given perspective on Audrey's memories of meeting both Fred and Josh for the first time. And it was interesting because I felt like while we were reading it, we were given so many reasons or signs as to why Audrey should end up with Fred. And then I was wondering, because as she was telling the story of meeting Josh, there were very sweet moments and you kind of fell in love with him and you're like, oh, this guy seems amazing. But I kind of read everything as a sign as to why she shouldn't end up with him. And so I was wondering why, you know, Audrey never interpreted those as signs as to not end up with Josh or to end up with him.
2: This is why it's so confusing for her because I think she does have these doubts from the start. You know, her and Josh are super different. He's very down to earth. He's very into his kind of organization and admin. And he's kind of a really, he knows who he is and he's pretty happy in himself. Whereas Audrey is really not sorted. She doesn't really know what her career is going to be. She's got no kind of, she's not wedded herself to any particular direction in life. She's very flighty. She goes on holiday. She doesn't make a plan. She just sort of flies by the seat of her pants really. And so I think she's always had this like doubt of, are we too different? Even though I love him, are we too different? And I think she's always comparing him to this guy, Fred, who she had this one amazing day with, where they were, you know, she thought they were soulmates because they were very similar. He kind of lit this fire inside her that she'd never really experienced before. And I think the way you meet is also quite difficult not to kind of connect to how you feel about that person, because the way she met Fred was this very romantic, very, wonderful meet cute they meet through a photo booth in a uh, train station whereas with Josh she didn't even remember the first time that she met him she he, he says he met her at a house party she met him at a bar she didn't remember his name and so that's very much part of what the book is examining as well is how much these narratives of kind of romance in inverted commas affect how we feel about someone and also I think a lot of romantic films a lot of romantic books there's all these ideas of the signs and that you should just know. And, you you know, you'll, you'll be told when it's the right thing. And actually lots of people have doubts and questions and they're not sure. And is that because they haven't been given the right sign or because it's wrong? So, I mean, this is all just really interesting to me. So that's what I wanted to explore in the book. Yeah. And I
1: think that's one of the reasons why I loved it so much is because while I was reading, I was like, okay, I think this is a sign that she should be with him or, oh, like, she should have definitely known like that's a for sure sign that she shouldn't be with this other person. And it was just so much fun finally getting toward the end and seeing how it all played out. And my mind was kind of blown because just like you said it's like we have these preconceived notions of how things are supposed to play out and how we should interpret certain things and it just makes you think like huh like okay maybe I
2: shouldn't just take like any sign as an indication that I should be doing something and I think that that's what I when I first thought of the idea for this book you know I was trying I, I love to put my heroines in kind of really really tricky situations and dilemmas and this idea of being faced with a man from your past on the night before you're about to commit to someone else just felt like a really escalated heightened version of something that we all can probably relate to where you're having to commit to some, some choice, you know, be it love life or career or any moving abroad, whatever it may be. And there's just some whisper of the past or another, another option that's kind of calling to you. When I started writing this book, I had the idea and i didn't actually know which way it was going to go i didn't know which guy i wanted her to choose and it was only actually through writing it and starting that i kind of found my way and lots of people who've read it have said what they loved about it is it really is not obvious who she's going to choose and they were kind of swung each chapter in the way that audrey is about oh well maybe him oh no but maybe him but you know and that is definitely what i wanted to create because i think often in rom-coms you know you know from the start exactly where it's going and it's a lovely journey to get there but there isn't that kind of real dilemma of who's going to be the happily ever after
1: Mm -hmm. and I felt the anxiety
2: and stress
1: of trying to choose for her like oh my gosh what's gonna happen is she going to be with this person I kind of fell in love with both characters. Okay, good, good. good. And yes, and I was like, oh, this is so tough, because they both have such great qualities that you would want. And they're but at the same time, so different. And so it made it really fun to see who she would finally end up with. So that was a lot of fun.
2: Okay, good, good. I know that's another thing I enjoy in my novels is, you know, never really having too much kind of black and white characters like I mean, yes, there are some horrible bosses and annoying mothers in various of my books, but in general, most people are, are flawed and most people have their pros and cons and, the, and their, you know, parts that you love and the parts you find annoying. And I think that that's a more realistic presentation of sort of relationship and love is where you're kind of balancing what's important to you and what really matters. And nothing is going to be completely picture book perfect. You have to try and how how do we try and work out what are the non-negotiables? Yes. And you had mentioned before about how
1: Audrey was hesitant to the idea of marriage just because she'd seen in her own mother how love had kind of failed her in the past and how messy it can be. But there was a line in the book and I believe it was Vivian giving Audrey advice and it said, don't marry someone you wouldn't want to be strangers with. And it referenced watching the way your partner treats their enemies and strangers, because one day, unfortunately, maybe you could be their enemy or a stranger to them, and they could treat you that same way. I thought that was just such great advice, because I never had heard something like that before. And I thought it'd be interesting to hear if you had any advice for people who may be on the fence, like Audrey was,
2: on marrying somebody. I mean, I think that was some advice. I can't remember whether I read it somewhat or someone tell it told it to me, but saying, yeah, don't marry a guy you wouldn't want to be divorced from. Because I think when someone's in love with you or you're in a relationship and everything's going well, that's where they're showing you their best selves. But I think when you observe a partner out in the world, are they kind to people they don't know? Are they, do they kind of hold hold up their end of bargains or deals when No one would find out if they didn't. You know, that kind of honorability, I think, is something that in a lifelong relationship with someone, once all the other stuff might have, you know, faded away, and you're, you know, if you're with a decent person who does right by people, that is a really good foundation, in my opinion. And I think sometimes, you know, I do know couples and I've witnessed other people where you have all the fireworks or the passion or the excitement. And then when it, if when and if it kind of falls away, if that person is not decent and honorable and good and you find yourself in a breakup, they might not act very nicely and they might, you know, be very, very difficult to be estranged from. So, I mean, I haven't been through that so- something myself, but I, that was definitely a piece of advice that stuck in my mind. And, you know, the older we get, the more people I see separating and divorcing. It definitely rings true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay i do have to warn people before we go on to my next question because in your book there was uh depictions and story of sexual assault abuse and harassment um so we are going to talk about that briefly so if this is a topic you are not comfortable listening to please skip ahead in the book one of vivian's which is audrey's mother's exes takes advantage of Audrey and I felt like, a lot of ways. But one that I wanted to focus on is how he got Audrey alone to look at his artwork, and then he touched her inappropriately and without her permission. And for the longest time, Audrey doubts herself and wonders if it was on purpose, did she just imagine it, was it harmless, did he really mean to do it, and all the questions and self-doubt that come after someone has abused you. And I appreciated how you wrote this into the book because a lot of the time victims question whether they did something to cause the event or, you know, did I just imagine it? Was it just harmless and things of that nature? And especially with women. And there was also mentioned in the book about how we can sometimes put our politeness and kindness before our own needs when it comes to making sure, like, oh, like this person this terrible thing to me, but I want to make sure that everything's fine. So nothing escalates or whatnot. And so I was kind of wanted to know your thoughts on why you chose to write this into the book.
2: So it's a tricky one, because obviously, when you're writing a rom com, you know, in some ways, it's you want it to be funny and lighthearted. And you know, my books do have a lot of silliness in them. But also, I think to have a novel with a real sort of depth of story and depth of character, you know, there's also got to be some shade with the light and for me it was it it wasn't a kind of a purposeful inclusion it was really examining audrey as a character as she developed as i wrote her and thinking you know why has she changed what what caused her to see life and love in the way that she does um and i think all of us are influenced by our pasts our families past relationships but also yeah unhealthy encounters that might have happened and this particular encounter with yeah one of her mother's partners what I really wanted to get across on that is that sort of really gray area where it's not it wasn't some you know she didn't get raped it wasn't some very clear-cut physical abuse and I think that really messed with her head because she said something and then she thought oh did I did I overreact did I did I see something there that it wasn't that bad. And I think that internal dilemma of whether you've acted appropriately can really um, mess with people's heads. And I think it's really hard to know because especially when someone's slightly gaslighting you and saying, well, nothing happened. That was, you completely overreacted. That's crazy. You do start to doubt yourself. Yeah, especially because the person in the
1: book who did it goes and confronts her about it all. And that- is
2: terrifying, yeah. And I think that I wanted just, you know, I've definitely been in situations where, where something inappropriate has happened, but I've been super friendly and sort of like mates with that person. And, you know, this, this is what's quite interesting and when people sort of almost talk about the, um, or the Me Too movement, that where people who were abused, you know, but people cite, oh, but they were friendly with that person afterwards, or, you know, they, they, they thanked them in a speech, And that doesn't mean that they weren't abused. That just means there's an ingrained level of 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 politeness or other things going on. And so I think that's a really interesting area for me. And it's just just as a sort of subtle event that really really impacted on Audrey. I thought it was an interesting thing to include.
1: Yeah, because the other dynamic of you know her mom loved this person, and she didn't know if her bringing it up would be a bad thing. Again, if she was doubting herself. Is she blowing up her mom's love life for no reason? And like you were saying about the Me Too movement where, you know, they were pals with them or nice to them. It's like there's so many other dynamics and factors that are involved with some of those things that happen. And some of it's just survival.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah, completely. And whether you sort of just freeze and go along with something or whether you're polite and you don't make a fuss and, you know, a lot of that is, is not even a choice. It's just sort of your instant reaction to panic and fear in an uncomfortable situation. Um, and I, so I think it, I think it, it seeing in Audrey, you know, when you meet her, the book is split over numerous timelines. And so you see her when she's younger and she's actually quite carefree and open-minded and happy and confident. And actually the, the, the later Audrey that we meet is not necessarily those things. And, So this is also an exploration of what happened in that intervening time. And in many ways, that event has triggered self-doubt, guilt, you know, lots of emotions for her and in her relationships and even her career. And it also was for me important to show the sort of the poison that one small event with somebody, you know, taking advantage in that way it affects her every aspect of her life, her family, her friends, her romantic relationships, her, her confidence in her career. And I think that that's something I've definitely seen happen to people where it's not just one thing that gets affected. It can be your whole life.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, because it doesn't stay just in one area. Yeah. It definitely trickles over into multiple facets and aspects of your life, whether you recognize it or not. And so I think Audrey's a good example of how trauma like this happens and how it can affect you. But I loved how at the end of the book and the epilogue, I think Audrey's confidence and her life, you know, is fulfilled to the highest that you could try to hope for.
2: <laughs> so that was a lot of fun to read. Good. yes. Yeah. So it's not too heavy. It's just, it's that, it, it is difficult because it's that balance because sometimes, People, you know, then do uh, are potentially triggered by these kind of subject matters when they don't know if it's coming in the book. And, you know, it's quite light touch. It's not a huge, huge aspect of the story. But I thought um, that it was important just in terms of rounding her out as a character and explaining why she is as she is.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was definitely beneficial to the story and even getting some backstory on Vivian. It kind of brought to life like, oh, okay, there's like a lot of depth to these characters and you see a lot of why they are the way that they are yes all right my next question has to deal with all of the other characters in this book because there were so many lovable characters i especially loved hillary i thought i loved the nanny slash actor role that he played and there were so many characters here that were lovable and you could actually connect with them and i felt like you actually understood them and had more than just you know a cursory glance at who they were So how difficult is it to write all of these different characters and give them enough depth for us to connect with them?
2: Well, it was, I think, especially hard in this one because it's a wedding. So there's just, by its very nature, there's so many characters involved. You know, you've got all the bride's family, all the groom's family, all their friends. And, you know, for me, I love writing novels with a real ensemble cast. Both my other books, you know, the secondary characters are really, really fundamental to the story. And I feel like you can't have a love story in isolation without all those other people in, inputting and impacting. So I knew that I wanted uh, the other characters to be important in this, but it was really challenging because of the wedding, there just being so many characters involved. So I kind of picked a few that, I, that were going to be crucial and that were closest to Audrey really. And the character of Hilary, yes, so he, is, he was her nanny growing up, but he was actually an out of work actor. And her mum thought it was more fun to employ nanny actors who she called nactors because she thought they'd have more energy and enthusiasm than than professional childcare. And this was actually based on a real uh, my, one of my friends did have a mother who employed out of work actors as her nannies. And she had loads of stories about going to auditions with them all and running lines with them. And it was just one of those ideas that just sort of stuck in my head. I was like, that's going in a book. And then he, I mean, in my head, he's sort of Rupert Everett in uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. He's that sort of like gay friend slash uncle slash character, but sort of a bit older than her, but not that sensible yet. He's not like a father figure by any means. And I really enjoyed exploring their relationship because it was just a little bit different in terms of, you know, he wasn't the next generation up, but he wasn't her contemporary. So that was really fun to explore. And then my other sort of favorite character in the the novel is probably Granny Parker, who is Josh's grandmother, who is one of the biggest believers in all the superstition and the omens. And she's very old fashioned and she's got very clear ideas about whether whether Audrey should be marrying Josh or not. Um, So she's this sort of spooky, spooky older granny character who's always adding her 10 cents worth. But yeah, it's, it's always really fun coming up with all the, the secondary characters and how they play into the story. It's a real cast of characters, that's for sure.
1: I will say I really liked how Granny Parker's character I felt like was a compliment to Audrey's because I felt like Granny was more of the, you know, old traditional type of superstition, whereas Audrey was very much like oh the signs and like what's relevant today I feel like and so Ooh. I like seeing those two
2: characters I hadn't really thought about it like that but you're so right yes that's true because I think actually maybe our generation lots of people wouldn't necessarily say they were superstitious in terms of bad like even the word omen is a very old-fashioned kind of witchy word right so you know an old old lady saying oh that's a bad omen that doesn't bode well it makes you feel oh you know she's crazy that's superstitious but it's actually if you think of some of the stuff that we would believe like, oh, the moon is in Mercury. That's why I'm in a bad mood. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I like cross the road and like like a bit more, as you say, like the universe is signs and messages for you and communicating. But it's all the same thing. It is all the same thing. But we've just, um, we talk about it in a different way. And I guess we think about it in a maybe more positive way rather than seeing it as dark and sinister, but see it looking for the looking for the good signs as well I suppose yeah all the positive signs all the things that should be yes yes exactly and I think my first book this time next year was very much about fate and destiny and you know there being this slightly kind of larger like something out there playing hand in in your love life and so it's something that definitely like interests me and Has me questioning in all of my books, is this true? Is this real? Is this positive? Is this healthy to think like this? Mm -hmm. And one question that popped into my mind while I was reading this book
1: was like, Do you believe in soulmates?
2: Oh, I don't know if that would give away the ending of the story. I um (laughs) I think that would give away the ending of the story. But yeah, I definitely am not clear-cut in either way. I think it's complicated. And I think. So when I wrote this time next year, I did get some emails from readers sort of saying I haven't met someone yet and I was a little sad about it, a bit worried about it. And then I read this time next year and I just thought, hey, it's fine, the universe has got it all in hand. I just need to be patient. And that did me make me slightly worried that 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 no, that's <laughs> that is I would not condone that. You need to get out there, you need to meet people, you need to be open to going on some bad dates, I would say. Don't just wait at home for the universe to sort it all out for you. (laughs) (laughs) Although that would be nice. (laughs) That would be nice. And I'm sure it works for some people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before you go, I thought it may be fun to ask you without giving any spoilers away. If you were Audrey's friend, like Clara, for example, and it was the day of Audrey's wedding, what advice would you give her on which man to choose
2: and which signs to follow, if any? Oh, good question. Well, I think, I think Clara, Clara actually does a great job in the book because she knows Audrey very well and Audrey can be very honest with her. And so I think, I think as her friends, I would just, you never really know what's in their heart. Even if they're telling you that they're having doubts or reservations, you don't know if this is just, you know, wedding cold feet or whether it's something deeper. So I think as her friend, I would just be there to listen to her, to talk it through, to have a drink and try (laughs) and make her come to her own conclusion. Because I think sometimes with external forces, be they friends or family, everyone thinks they know what's right for you or or what what you, oh, well, obviously this is the person or that is the person, but it's only ever you who can really work it out for yourself. And I think that the best thing, Clara's the, the best thing, sorry, Audrey's friends can do for her is is listen and let her go through the process of working out which is the man she wants. I think that's amazing
1: advice. Thank you so much for being on here today. It was awesome getting to talk to you.
0: Ah, no, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, thank you so much. I'd like to invite you to join the National Women's Studies Association this November 10th through the 13th at the Hilton Minneapolis for the annual conference. The 2022 NWSA conference theme, Killing Rage, Resistance on the Other Side of Freedom, seeks to open up conversations about freedom and justice, salvation and sacrifice, convenience and controversy, and whose life and vote matters. At our conference, you can connect with other activists, feminists, and scholars from across the globe. This year, the keynote speakers are feminist leaders Angela Davis and Anita Hill and many more. Don't know what NWSA is? The NWSA is the world's largest group of feminists, activists, and scholars dedicated to advancing women and women's studies across the globe. So are you a feminist? Join NWSA at nwsa.org to become a member and to see more details on this year's conference. Again, that's nwsa.org or follow them on Twitter at NWSA or on Instagram at nwsa underscore IG. We hope to see you this November here in Minneapolis. The greatest gift you can give this season is the gift of the bird. Flip 'em the bird is a clothing company bringing cleverness, wit, and a dash of curse words to people who need a good laugh. Flip 'em the bird is a small business in Minnesota that provides 14-day no shit easy return policy, quality earth-conscious products, and gives back through volunteer work and fundraising. After all, swearing is caring. For all your gift-giving needs, go right to flipemthebird.com, where Susie will get your bird flying in two to three days. When you don't have the words, your clothing should say it for you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for brownie points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is and check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, Red Woman is a dangerous creature, creature.